0: We're going to be in a couple of areas of Scripture, Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Mark 12, Ephesians 4. Let me see how great it is to see you this morning. Um, I will never forget when I was younger, much younger. Okay, I want to put that out there. When I was younger, I was in Israel, and I asked our tour guide, why is Hebrew backwards? Why is Hebrews back, Hebrew backwards? She was British. And she looked at me with a British accent. Now, when someone speaks to you condescendingly in a British accent, it's 10 times worse. And she said to me, she goes, have you ever considered that Hebrew is the language of God and maybe English is backwards? You Americans. And she walked away. I learned to be culturally sensitive at that point in my life and appreciated languages. So when I hear Samoan, blessed assurance, my heart leaps, because I don't know if you know this, God speaks Samoan, he speaks Spanish, he speaks Creole, he speaks English, he speaks Hebrew, even though Hebrew is backwards, <laughs> amen? Amen? So I am so thankful that we get to worship him here at Calvary Chapel, South Bay, in Samoan this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey guys, 113 people baptized. Come on. We went from 70 to 80, 80 to 90, 90 to 100 I can't wait. And let me tell you why. Because you're telling people about Jesus and their lives are changing. And so God bless each one of you for the work of the ministry that you're doing. All right, Ephesians 4, Mark chapter 12. As we continue our verse-by-verse study through the gospel of Mark, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the word and thank you for the way that you speak to us through it. And I ask now at Calvary Chapel South Bay that you would move in such a powerful way that not only would we see 113 baptized, that when we do our baptism in October, we'd see over 200. We're looking forward to what you're doing. And we are experiencing today the glory of the Lord. And so we want to thank you. And we want to pray that as we learn today, that we would put what we learn into action it's in Jesus' name, God's people said. Amen. I have found in ministry that people question God all of the time. Here in Mark chapter 12, you remember, the Pharisees have come together and they're questioning God. But I find this to be a normal practice even in the 21st century. People will say, God, why is this happening to me? God. What are you doing? What are you thinking? God, how could you let this happen to me? God, how could you allow such a thing? God, when are you going to answer me? God, how long will I need to pray? God, where do you want me? God, which path do I follow? God, I thought you said dot, dot, dot. Usually it comes in a time of trial a time where we don't understand what's happening in our life. But I have found with God 10 out of 10 times that his answers are always very clear. I have found with God that he does not struggle with clarity. We do. His answer may be yes. His answer may be no. His answer may be wait. He is very clear in his word when we ask him very specific questions. However, I find that God is not the problem, Then, oftentimes people are the problem. People will sometimes say, well, I didn't understand what God was trying to say. But the reality is they just didn't want to do it. The reality is their lack of understanding be- comes from their lack of desire to do it. Yet, I find that others ask questions not to find anything out from God, but just simply to question God. In fact, even to prove that there is no God. In today's world, they'll ask, is God all-powerful? Is God all-good? Well, if God is all-powerful and God is all-good, then why is there evil? I mean, how come children are dying of disease around the world? They have no desire for an answer, no matter how theological or philosophical or no matter how, what answer you give. They just want to deflect the conviction that they feel that they're in need of a Savior by questioning God because they don't want to live the way that God requires. The religious leaders are doing the same thing. In Mark chapter 12, they come up with three questions of their own, a political question a theological question about the resurrection a philosophical question about what's the greatest command and much like the questions that we see today in our world their expectation was not that Jesus would give him an answer give them an answer oh no no their expectation was to catch him in his words all they wanted to do was stump Jesus they wanted to make him look foolish but you're talking to Jesus He's God. And while they're questioning His authority, He is the authority. The very basis of their question is off. The foundation of their questions were cracked. Their ignorance was revealed by the Lord. Do you remember when they asked the question about will will the woman be married to which husband out of seven? Their ignorance is revealed. They were making assumptions about heaven based on an earthly perspective. It would be like me, who has never been to Samoa, explaining that Samoans love (laughs) In-N-Out. You've never been to Samoa, Chet? How do you know that? Well, I know because I like In-N-Out. And if I like In-N-Out, everybody must like In-N-Out, and that's the way that we live in regards to heaven. If it's here on earth, then it must be this way in heaven. It'd be like a four-year-old teaching a university physics professor the basic principles of quantum dynamics. Doesn't make any sense. Jesus is the authority. And he answered all three of these questions with so much wisdom and discernment that if you look at there at the end of Mark chapter 12, verse 34, no one dared ask him another question. They realized they had met their match. And meeting their match, Jesus now turns the table and he starts asking them a question. Look at Mark chapter 12, verse 35. Jesus answered and he said, While he taught in the temple, how is it, look at his question, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? Stop there if you would for just a moment. I've got a question for you. Have you been ever questioned by Jesus? Has he ever questioned your motives? Like, why are you serving at VBS? Is it because she's there? Or is it because you really want to serve me? Why did you come to church? Is it because your mom said, if you don't, she'll kick you out? (laughs) You see, have you ever been questioned by Jesus? Has he ever questioned your motives? Your intent? Has he ever questioned your heart? Has he ever questioned your sincerity? Like, why are you doing this? Where are you going? And who are you going to go with? And how did you do what I asked you to do? It's very important to me, and when are you going to listen to me? In fact, what are you doing, and what decision did you make? Have you ever been questioned by Jesus? But one of the questions that I think is one of his priority is, how? How? How seems to be a priority of his. And if you take a look at this question in Mark chapter 12, verse 35, maybe you'll circle the word how. How. How seems to be his priority. In fact, this word is mentioned three times in the text that we're just about to uh, discover. Mark is making a point that Jesus is concerned about how we do things our intent, our motives, and our heart. Jesus is concerned about the internal process that is expressed externally. I mean, after all, it was Jesus that said, out of the abundance of the heart speaks the... Oh, look who knows the Scripture. He says what's inside is what will come outside. He says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'll know where your heart is by where I see where you're spending your money. And if you were to look at my bank account, you would see a lot of money going to Home Depot. You know why? My heart is there. Do you know sometimes when I need a break, I just wander through the halls of Home Depot. Do you know where else you might see? If you took a look at my bank account, you would see that my heart is at Costco. Costco to me is like Disneyland. When you walk in, there's a greeter. Hey, how are you? I'm doing much better now that you spoke to me. Here's my card. I'm a member here. I belong here. And then you walk in. Would you like to try this? Oh, yes, I would. Would you like to try this? Sometimes I go there at 11.30 and just eat lunch. And I go from place to place to place to place. Come on, you know you do it. And I don't need anything from Costco, but it's amazing. I'll come out spending money because they got the new little thing. And I don't know if you know this, but Costco is culturally correct. If you go to Hawaii, you can buy... The Mon... I don't even know how to say it. The Monolies. You know what those are? The chocolate-covered macadamia nuts. (laughs) They don't have them in L.A. Do you know what they got in L.A.? L.A. Dodger caps. (laughs) They know who to sell to. When you walk in, it's, hello, there's food everywhere. In fact, it's everything I desire. Sometimes on date night, Andre and I will just go spend money at Costco. It's free food. If I was to look at your bank account, Jesus says, I'll know where your heart is. I will see what is about you externally, and I'll know where you are internally. The Apostle Paul, he, he capitalizes on these words of Jesus. And take a look at the screen. This is what he says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, for no other foundation can anyone lay, than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, so if you build off of what Jesus said, you think like Jesus, you act like Jesus, he says, if anyone builds on that, that's gold, silver, precious stones. Could be wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Well, let me let you know something about wood and straw and hay. It burns in fire, all right? And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, that's a great word, sort. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, wood, hay, stubble, he'll suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. In other words, you're just a Christian for fire insurance. A Church, listen. What I love about this passage is that Jesus is trying to find out your service of what sort it is. What's your motive? What's your intent? What's your heart? What's really going on inside to make you do what's happening on the outside? He's very concerned about the how, he's concerned about the heart. He wants to discover what sort it is. Is it pure or impure motives? Do you have a good or evil intent? Pure motives and good intentions... They survive through the burning process. So when Jesus looks at us, what I love is he's looking for gold. He's looking for silver. He's looking for precious things. And he burns away everything that doesn't matter. And the things that don't matter are the things where our motives, they weren't so great. Our intent weren't so great. Now to everyone else, it looked so holy. But God knows the heart And so Jesus, Jesus has just expressed the purest motive, and he just expressed the greatest attention, intentions, in Mark 12: "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength." It's the purest motive. It's the greatest intent. Now, our heart is what we desire, and it's expressed by our soul, our mind, what we think, and our strength, our physical abilities. And he's saying here that our heart is what we desire. It's what we want. Let me tell you something. If you take a look at my bank account, oh, I love Trader Joe's ice cream chocolate chip sandwiches, surrounded by all the chocolate chips. So, you know what I'll do sometimes? I will get up out of my house. I will get in my car. I will drive to Trader Joe's. I will walk into Trader Joe's with one goal in mind find those ice cream sandwiches. One time I walked in, I could find them nowhere. They were in my heart. And I wanted them more than anything. So I thought, my goodness, they moved them. I know right where they are. They're right here. And I started moving all those. They've got like Oreo cones and all these other things. I'm like, peanut butter ice cream. Who wants that? I Cookie butter ice cream. I want, you obviously see I've spent a lot of time looking. So I went to the attendant. She could tell I was despondent. And I said, where are the chocolate chip ice cream sandwiches? And she didn't even know how to tell me. She goes, we're out. (laughs) But I drove here. My actions proved that I want this cookie. I really want this ice cream because what was inside of me was being expressed externally. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, you see, this is the way that we feel about spiritual things. He says, love the Lord your God with all your mind. This is the way that we think about spiritual things. He says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. This is the effort that we put towards spiritual things. And he says, any other motive, any other intent, as far as heaven is concerned, is questionable. And Jesus knows that the guys that are asking him questions, they're trying to put him on trial. But what they don't realize is that Jesus turns the table and he is not the defendant, he's the judge. And while they have dealt with political questions, theological questions, even philosophical questions, Jesus reveals the greatest question that every single one of us must grapple with. And what I want to do I want to come out of Mark for just a moment and I want to enter this story in Matthew's gospel. Take a look at the screen because Matthew gives us a little bit more detail as to who he's speaking to. While the Pharisees were gathered, so they just had come up with all these questions, they're trying to stump Jesus and catch him in his words, he turns the tables and he asks them, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. There it is, gang. You see, the question the Lord asks is not philosophical. It's not even theological. It's not political. The question the Lord asked is relational. What do you think about the Christ? And that is the greatest question that every single one of us must grapple with in our life. It's the most important question that anybody will ever ask you. What we think about Jesus determines the life that now is and the one that's to come. So Jesus goes on in Mark chapter 12. Take a look at verse 36. For David himself said, By the Holy Spirit. So David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to say this statement in Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies my footstool. Take a look again. The Lord said to my Lord, verse 37, therefore David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? Oh, you got to love Jesus. You see, the religious leaders, they think Jesus is just a man, just a rabbi, just a great teacher. He's got no authority to come into the temple and turn these tables. He's got no authority to tell me how to live my life. And many of us, as if we're honest, when Jesus starts telling us how to live our life, we ask him the same question. I don't understand. What are you trying to say? And we come up with our own questions because we don't want Jesus to be our authority. And the three questions that they ask... They don't want Jesus to be the authority in their lives because the way that we think about things is the way that we will behave about things. So what Jesus wants to do is to correct their way of thinking so that they could love the Lord their God with all their mind. And because they thought he was a man, he pulls out of Scripture to prove something that he is their Lord. He is the authority. Listen, maybe you'll write it down. If we love the Lord with all our mind, we will think about Jesus as our Lord. Now, let me tell you what that means, church. Loving the Lord your God with all your mind, it means that our greatest desire is to think the way that our Lord thinks and behave the way that he does. That's loving the Lord your God with all your mind. To start thinking, thinking like Jesus, and then behaving like Jesus. None of us would have ever thought of go the second mile. None of us would have ever thought about turning the other cheek. None of us would have ever thought about loving our enemy. But when we start thinking like Jesus, all of a sudden, we change. That's why you're here, isn't it? You're here on a beautiful Sunday morning because you want to learn the word and get rid of worldly thinking. You want to put off the way that you used to think, and you want to put on the mind of Christ. Well, Paul, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians, keep your finger in Mark. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, Paul expands on this idea. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, take a look, if you would, verse 20. But you've not so learned Christ. That's why you're here on a Sunday morning. You're learning about Jesus. If indeed you have learned Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. In other words, how we're supposed to think comes from Jesus Christ. Now it goes on in verse 22 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So you start thinking differently, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Let me explain. You come to church, but you're mean. Like, you're mean. Someone comes and sits next to you, and you're like, hmm. You're just mean. You go out in the parking lot, and someone took your parking space. So next week, you take someone's parking space. You see their blinker, and you pull right in. (laughs) I'm going to show these South Bay people. (laughs) You're driving down the 405. Someone cuts you off, and then you cut them off. You're just mean. Someone comes up and says, hey, brother, how you doing? You go, had a bad week. Leave me alone. You're just mean. And then you come to church. And my whole sermon is be kind one to another. And all of a sudden, your stomach starts like... And your heart starts beating out of your chest. And the Spirit starts talking to you. You're mean. (laughs) Listen to Him. You're mean. You're mean to your wife. You're mean to your kids. You're mean to your people that work at... You're just mean. You're mean all the time. You're mean on the 405. You're mean in the parking lot. You're just mean. And the Spirit's speaking to you. And you can feel Him speaking to you. And all of a sudden, you realize... I am mean. (gasps) I have to change. And I make an altar call, and you come running down. I'm mean. I'm mean. I need to change. And then Monday morning, you go to work. And the people who see you normally, they're like, okay, here he comes. All right. I just, hey, praise God, glory, Jesus, hallelujah. How you doing, man? What happened? You go home, and your wife usually runs behind the kitchen cabinets. And when you walk in, hey, babe, how you doing? (sniffs) Smells great, even though it's burnt. Smells great. (laughs) So thankful to you cooked for us today. Oh, praise God. And your children start running, and they're usually afraid of you. But they come up to you like this, and you go, oh, come here. Let me give you a hug. Your wife and your children, they go in the back room. They have a family meeting. What happened to dad? Well, you see, he went to church and he learned that he was mean. And so he decided to put that off and start thinking like Jesus and put on kindness. It's what Jesus does. Kids, you're watching it in your dad. Praise the Lord. When we love the Lord, our God, with all our mind, he becomes our Lord. But the Jews, they didn't believe he was the Lord. But they believed that the Messiah was the son of David. In other words, he had descended from David. It was a promise that was given to David. It was even confirmed by the prophets. Take a look if you would. It's Isaiah. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jeremiah. I'll raise to David a branch of righteousness. But when David was speaking about the Messiah, he said, the Lord said to My Lord, David called his descendant Lord. That means he existed before David and he existed after David. How could the Messiah be descended from David, but yet David called him Lord? And Jesus pulls this scripture out to prove he is the authority. And David knew it. He's both. He's both Lord, he's God. He was David's God, and he also descended from David. He's man, because he's the God-man. You know nothing about heaven, and that's why you ask the questions you do. He does come from David's line, and he is God. Do you know that when we start asking God all of our questions, he from heaven goes, you have an earth perspective just love me with all your mind. Let me be your Lord. Jesus is making a veiled reference to himself. And take a look. Go back with me to Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel chapter 12, the last part of verse 37, and the common people heard him. This word heard, it means they listened with the intent to govern their lives. It's why you're here. You're here to learn. You're a student. You're here not just to listen and to go home and go, oh, oh, that was great. No, you're here to put off the old person and to put on the new person. Jesus was teaching them, and Mark is giving us an illustration of what it means to love the Lord your God with all your mind. You make him your Lord. You make him your Lord. But Mark goes on, he gives us another illustration here. Would you take a look? Mark chapter 12, now we'll pick it up in verse 38. Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, and they love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, the best places at the feast, and who devour widow, widows' houses. In other words, they're all in for the money. And for a pretense, oh, they look spiritual, they make long prayers these will receive greater condemnation you see jesus knew that the, the scribes they were not loving the lord their god with all their mind the scribes were not thinking correctly therefore according to heaven they're not behaving correctly so he says beware They're not behaving correctly because they're not thinking. They're not loving the Lord their God with all their mind, so there's no way that they could love the Lord their God with all their soul. They wanted to feel good about themselves. They could care less how God felt about their lifestyle. Take a look, if you would, Mark chapter 12, 38 again. Beware, he warns us, beware of the scribes who desire. Now that word's important. That word's important. It's a feel word. This word desire means the will. It means your purpose, your motives, your intent. And the scribes' desire was to love themselves, to feel good about themselves, not the Lord their God. In fact, if this was written in the 21st century, the scribes were the original Instagram influencers. They were. They were the original Instagram influencer. Let me prove it to you. They spent all their money on their clothes. They wanted everyone to see what they were wearing so that then when they took the picture... And they took that picture and they posted it online. They wanted everyone to see, wow, look what they're wearing. Maybe I'll wear something like that. They wanted people to see the greatest fashion. And Oh, when they posted their picture, they loved when people would greet them. Like, 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 heart, 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 Like, 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 like. They loved as many followers as they could, meeting and greeting them on the street. This is the modern day Instagram. Influencer. In fact, if these scribes were women, I guarantee they posted picture with duck lips. I don't get those. I asked my daughter the other day, I was like, why do your pictures like what 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 is that? Dad, it's Instagram. It's Instagram? Let me explain. These guys were Instagram influencers. All they cared about was their reputation so they could make money. The more people that follow me, maybe somebody will pick me up and I can start making Instagram posts and start making money on them. In fact, so addicted is our culture just yesterday, a young man was a weightlifting Instagram influencer. And before he performed his, his stunt, he said, this is the dangerous thing in the world that I've ever done. And he died doing it. Like, 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 hard, 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 living for it. That's what the scribes were doing. Like, 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 hard, 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 hard. They were living for it. It was, it was like a drug for them. And what's amazing to me is, Mark doesn't even scratch the surface as to what their issues were. You see, in verse 38, take a look. Then he said to them in his teaching. All Mark does is condense their issues down to bullet points. But I want you for homework, go and read Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23 gives the entire teaching of Jesus of the warning of being a hypocrite like these scribes. And I would encourage you to read it because you need to determine what's the desire of your own souls. Because I have a question for you. Do you love the Lord your God with all your soul? Let me ask you, what do you feel that you want out of your life? At the end of your life, do you want to be powerful? Do you want to feel power? Do you want to feel like you're important? You got position. You want to live for like like, 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 like like, heart, 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 people praising you, and you've got prestige, or maybe you've got a large portfolio. What do you feel you'll want out of life? But there's one thing that Jesus is concerned about. And his question is not what do you feel about life, his question is, how do you feel about me? And Jesus is cautioning us. He's using the scribe to caution us to make sure that we love the Lord our God with all of our soul. And let me tell you what that means it's where faith guides our feelings instead of feelings guiding our faith. Did you hear that? It's where faith guides our feelings. And so when I preach a sermon on being kind and you're mean, well, you don't know why I'm mean. I've had a rough life. People have betrayed me. People have wronged me. I don't even like people. (laughs) But when I teach be kind... Are you going to be led by the feelings or are you going to be led by faith? Will faith determine your feelings or will feelings determine your faith? You've got to make that decision. But loving the Lord your God with all your soul is where faith guides our feelings instead of feelings guiding our faith. Amen? One person clapped. Listen. <laughs> You know why you didn't clap? You didn't feel good about what I said. You didn't feel feel it. I didn't feel it. You were funny until then. Didn't like that one. This week, I'm not tithing. I didn't feel good. Take a look. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Stop there for a minute. Take a look. There it is again. He saw how, maybe you'll circle that. He saw how people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, about buck fifty, which makes a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. You see, the scribe, the the Instagram influencer, who's got to let everyone see everything that they're doing. Scribe, he comes up. I have $100,000 to give to God today. I want everyone to know it. He takes the big bag of coins out and he puts it in that trumpet-like looking thing. And when it's going down in the temple, you hear just going down. And everyone goes, oh, look at the Instagram influencer. Oh, thank you for all you gave. We're so grateful. Do you know what they used to do? They used to lick the coin, put it on their forehead so everyone could see it was gold. Look what I'm giving, gold. Do you see it? Hey, <laughs> I'm a giver. <laughs> clang. And when you put the gold in, oh, it made the deep sound. Clang, 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 all the way down. Then you got a widow. They're about this big. In fact, you can get the widow's might in Israel if you go with us. Just about this big. Pulls it out. Cling, 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 cling. No praise. No thank you. She just walks away. And you think she's unnoticed. To so Jesus. Hey, guys. Come here. You see that woman? Now she doesn't know that Jesus is watching. She doesn't know that Jesus is pointing her out. Now I got to stop here for just a moment. Because Jesus is looking not at how much they give, but how they're giving. And I got to stop here for just a minute and consider Jesus is looking at how we give and we don't know. We don't know. We don't know that he's watching. Now, I'll never forget, and it wasn't this church, and I'm going to commend you all in just a minute, so everyone take a deep breath. This is not a message on tithing, okay? Just hold on for just a minute. I was at another church, and after I, God bless you, and after I spoke at this church, this guy walks up to me, and he goes, Don't worry about it. I put 15 bucks in the back for you. I figured you're worth a good movie. (laughs) He thought I would be blessed by this. And I looked at him and I said, I couldn't even say God bless you. I looked at him and I said this. If you're giving because you felt I performed well, then your relationship with God is off. Because giving has nothing to do with whether or not I'm a good preacher or a bad preacher. It has everything to do with your relationship with God. Now let me tell you about our church. Our church is filled with widows. And I want to commend you right now, because this is not a tithing message. I want to commend you right now. We don't have large givers at Calvary Chapel South Bay. It's not like this church survives off a couple of wealthy people that choose to see our ministry go forward. That's not our church. Our church has thousands of individual givers that give sacrificially. We are filled at Calvary Chapel South Bay. We are filled with widows at our church. We're filled with them. And I want to commend you because you know this scripture and you apply it to your life. But Jesus is watching how we give. And let me tell you why. Giving is a part of our faith. It's a part of our faith. Let me explain. For God so loved the world that he gave Michael because Jesus was way too much. For God so loved the world that he called Gabriel because when he looked at his son, it was like, no, I'll sacrifice Gabriel on this one. God bless you, Jesus. No, no, no. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, who? He gave his only son. The essence of our faith is God gave his best. Let me tell you something about God. This is what he tells the Israelites in Psalm chapter 50. He goes, if I were hungry, would I tell you? I own the cattle on a thousand hills. So when I am asking God to provide, I don't come to you. I go to God because God owns the cattle. I'm just like, sell a couple of cattle, Lord. We got something we got to do. And I need to let you know something about giving. God is not raising funds. He's raising his children. Did you hear that? God's not raising funds. He raises his children through giving. Let me prove it to you. Love is sacrificial and so is giving. Love is sacrificial. Because when you give, you're making a sacrifice. And Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You see, giving and and love, they're sacrificial. And choosing to be sacrificial... Choosing to sacrificially give raises us up to express our love to God. Listen to what Jesus said. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Loving the Lord your God with all your soul. Jesus is using this poor widow woman to express what it means to love the Lord, your God, with everything you've got. That's what he's doing with this woman. She only gave a buck fifty. But it was all she had. She's loving the Lord, her God, with all of her strength. She gave everything she had. There was nothing left for her but to trust the Lord, her God. See, the Pharisees, they weren't loving the Lord, their God, with all their mind. And because they weren't thinking clearly, they weren't loving the Lord their God with all their soul. They were living life the way that they wanted, They felt about life. But Jesus, he's using this woman as an example of what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart. You see, she loved the Lord her, God with all of her mind. She thought the way like God. God gives his best, I'm giving my best. She thought like God. She loved the Lord her God with all of her soul. She was more concerned about the way that God felt than the way she felt. She allowed faith to guide her feelings instead of feelings guide her faith. So she put everything she had and she walked away and she said, I'm going to trust God for my life. She loved the Lord her God with all of her soul. But this woman, she loved the Lord her God with all of her strength. In fact, This woman sets the standard for all of us as to what it means to love the Lord your God with all your strength. Because loving the Lord your God with all your strength is giving it everything you've got, just like this woman. So if you're mean and you're struggling to be kind, you give it everything you've got to be kind. If you're bitter and resentful and you're struggling being loving and forgiving, you give it everything you've got to put off the old man and to put on the new. Loving the Lord your God with all your strength is giving it everything you've got, purposing to glorify God in the areas where you're weak and choosing not to give up the fight, but to fight the good fight of faith. And when you've given everything you've got, Like this woman, you trust the Holy Spirit to give you what you don't got. That's loving the Lord your God with all your strength. Our Father, we come before you so thankful for your word. Thankful for the illustrations that Mark gave us to understand what it means to love the Lord our God with all of our mind by making you Lord. To love the Lord our God with all of our soul by letting faith guide our feelings and to love the Lord our God with all of our strength by choosing to give all that we've got towards our faith. And I pray now, Lord, that you would minister to your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, could you just let this be a holy moment for a moment? Do you remember what Jesus did? And I wonder with our lives, does he do the same thing? Oh, heaven, come here. See my daughter? She's giving it everything she's got. We don't know what's happening. And neither did that woman. But I wonder if Jesus can use us for an example. But I believe Jesus pointed out this woman for a reason. You see... It would only be a few days from when that woman gave it everything she got to when Jesus would give everything he's got and die on a cross. Gave his life. And I wonder if he called the disciples over to point out this woman to show them what it means to love the Lord your God with all your strength. You give it everything you've got. And I wonder if the disciples were thinking about this woman when they saw Jesus giving it everything he's got. To be honest, I wonder, when Jesus was asking God why, asking God a question, asking a question is not bad. Jesus on the cross in his humanity said, why have you forsaken me? He knows what it feels like in the midst of a trial. But he trusted God to stay on that cross, even though God didn't deliver him from death. He allowed him to die because it was his best plan for you and for me. And I wonder when Jesus cried out, Why have you forsaken me? I wonder if just for a moment he thought of this woman and the woman inspired him, encouraged him. She trusted God. She walked away not knowing where her next meal was coming from. And God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give my life that I'll raise from the dead. And he did that for you. Because the greatest question that you will ever be asked is, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think? Because if you believe that he's your savior, you're going to heaven. Heaven if you've received him and answered that question, but if you have tried to fill life with everything but Jesus and you're wondering why you're empty, you're wondering why 5,000 likes, you still want more? It's because you haven't been filled with Jesus Christ. Because when he satisfies, you'll never want to drink again. Trust me, he satisfies. So today I'm speaking to someone who doesn't know Jesus. You've been invited by a friend and you don't know how to answer the question what you think about Jesus. In church, right now, you're in prayer. And when I ask you, what do you think about Jesus? You don't know. You don't know where you're going when you die. You don't know if you're saved. Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest you'll be fully satisfied in me for this life and the life to come. He died on a cross to pay the price of your sins and he rose from the grave. He's the only one, because he conquered death, he's the only one that can give eternal life. And he offers it to you. But church, I also want to speak to you. You've not been given it everything you got. In fact, you are mean. Maybe you're bitter. You're saved, but it's fire insurance. And you need to learn the example from this woman, and you need to make a commitment today that today I'm giving it everything of God. And I know I'm angry, but I'm going to give it to the Lord. And I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my strength. I don't care how I feel about it because I'm going to love the Lord by God with all my soul. And I don't care what I think about it because I want to think like Jesus and behave like Jesus. So today as a Christian, I'm going to make a step of faith and I'm going to choose to give faith everything I've got. When Gannon begins this song, if that's you and you need Jesus or that's you and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord and love him with all you got you give me the first to get up out of your seat and come forward and you say today with a step of faith, I'm coming to Jesus. My life has changed. Thanks for listening and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys and we'll see you next week.